going on, guys? It's your host, your boy, George McKay, back again for another Rewind, the MLW Rewind. And today I have some exciting news. I'm making an official announcement. It's locked in. It's not changing. I have found someone who's willing to take the journey with me full time. And it's great because we're the same age. There is no NCDs here. We're both CDs, coffee drinkers. So it makes things a lot easier. If you're looking for discussions about tea, you will not find it on this podcast anymore. We're going to get Richard Holiday back on to talk about coffee. There we go. Without further ado, let me welcome my new old-time podcast life partner, Uncle Bobby B. What's up, faithful? Life is good, man. It's Saturday. We're about to talk about the season finale of MLW. And it what was, a finale. Yeah. And it was everything. We needed it to be. Like I said, the last couple episodes, it's been a steady incline. There's been no, there's been no valleys, only peaks, only peaks. And uh, this last week delivered on so much. So uh, you ready? Should we get yeah, into it? Let me, let me just say something before we kick off. Uh, now that I've been watching MLW regularly, because I used to catch MLW here and there. Like there's, there's a lot of wrestling out there, right? It's hard to, to watch everybody all the time. Mm-hmm. But now that I've been faithfully watching MLW, Wow, man, what a breath of fresh air in terms of the presentation, the matches. It's different and not in a bad way. Like, I'm really enjoying what MLW is putting out. And for a series or season finale, this kicked ass. So let's get to it. Absolutely. And what I'm looking forward to the most is when we come back in July, uh, we are going to be seeing crowds again. And the MLW crowd is one of the most lit crowds there are in wrestling. And, uh, Again, it's no longer the best kept secret because we jumped on the bandwagon early. Vice TV is now on the bandwagon and there's so much exciting things happening and especially a lot of cool things that were laid out in this episode. So let's get into it. First thing off, it starts off with a, uh, a recap of the Reed versus Rush promo versus promo. All the promos that they cut on one another. And you can clearly see in the early stages of this little vignette who won the promo war. Am I, am I right here? They both are great talkers, but one seemed a little bit hungrier and a little bit more focused than the other. And you know what I'm talking about. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. Myron Myron Reed, young goat, had his eye on the prize. Absolutely. Uh, And and you got to be focused. You have to be when you're going into a match like this, especially knowing what happened the first time around. There really is no room for error. There can't be. No. And a guy like Leo Rush can can turn a match on its head in an instant. So you you can't give that kid space. You can't give him time. You got to stay on him. And like, uh, like baseball, you got to crowd the plate. You got to focus exactly. all your you gotta, energy on making sure you knock it out of the park. You got to rush, Leo Rush. Oh, shit. Oh, play on words. I yeah. like it. I like- <laughs> this is what and these two guys, both, both of the men, like just cut, cut a great promo. Absolutely. Um, I, one thing I like about Leo Rush, too, is, is that his who he is as a wrestler and as a person doesn't just come through in his promos, it comes through when he's in the ring wrestling. Like his persona is exhibited in just the way he wrestles, which is amazing because that's a skill that not everybody can do. Uh, some guys have a character and they go out and wrestle, but there's a, there's a bit of a separation between the two. But a guy like Leo Rush, he is who he is, and it shows when he wrestles. But that's my little Leo Rush. Uh, no, I completely agree with everything you said. So we also know at the top of the show, we find out that Richard Holiday is going to be in action. And we also know that the contract control with Joseph Samael. They talk about it in depth, and Alicia is going to give us a full-out like capture of everything that's going on. She's going to tell us 
if it is, in fact, 100% authentic, what Samael said in the previous week. But the first match of this night was Gringo Loco versus Laredo Kid. And you're going to start seeing a different format on this rewind. We're not going to break down every match. I'm not going to give you the play-by-play. You want to watch it, go watch MLW because it deserves to be watched. But what we are going to talk about is our high spots and our low spots, if there are any. Laredo Kid uh, comes back out with the AAA championship when this match starts. And Mm -hmm. I find that odd because technically Leo Rush won it. But apparently uh, it's not being recognized. It's not being recognized. So now they've made a whole new Cruiserweight title. And Laredo Kid is once again rocking it, which I find to be a little strange because there are inner workings. So why AAA would allow Leo Rush to capture the title on an MLW program, then only a few short days when the announcement dropped later, they were not going to recognize it. A little bit of a head scratcher for me. Would you not agree? Yeah, unless the only thing I can think of is if they're using it to uh, set up a future, a future angle over who the true cruiserweight champion is. Um and then that would set up Laredo Kid and, and uh, Leo. So right, but that's it, a possibility. But it, it is weird. Like, it, it is weird to, to, to have them wrestle and then flip the title. Like, not recognize it. We're going to introduce a new one. It's, it, it's kind of weird. So I'm thinking there's a story behind it because it doesn't make any sense otherwise. Well, and that's the great thing about Court Bauer, the mad genius, like we, like I've nicknamed him, like I've coined him. There's so much layers to how he presents his product and the inner workings that when things don't make sense, they make sense. Yeah, and, they, may, um, they might not make sense right now, but they're going to make sense. And that's what I like because it's hard to swerve people these days. It's hard to keep us guessing, right? Fans are, are smarter. We're, we're a little more wise. Well, so, we also have the internet and the internet yeah. kind of does give all the information. Some factual, a lot non-factual, but it gives you enough information to go off of and say, huh, this could be a possibility. Right. Right. And and courts, from what I what I've seen so far and what I've I've seen in the past, uh, he's great at that. <laughs> like it, it's I, I appreciate somebody who can tell a story and do it originally and not make it obvious. Because it, there's only so many storylines you can do in wrestling. Uh, especially when you're trying to bring in like an outside factor that's a non-wrestling factor into the storyline. But Court Bauer is just fantastic at keeping everyone guessing, keeping things interesting. Uh, and that's why now it's like, even if I wasn't doing this podcast, I'm like, shit, I want to watch MLW every week because I want to see all these things that are going on because it's different. I'm not, no, no disrespect to any other promotion out there, but I'm not seeing this anywhere else. Mm-hmm. MLW is unique and that's good. Absolutely. So uh, if there's a story behind it, and court's keeping us swerving. Fucking A court. <laughs> Fucking A court. I'm going to flash that across the screen when he said it. Fucking A court. <laughs> we'll just keep it at the bottom of the screen. Breaking news. Fucking A court. Fucking A. So this match, um, a lot of speed. Uh, Gringo Loco, Laredo Kid can both go. Gringo Loco is a fantastic, for a big man. I love Gringo Loco. The way he can maneuver himself like a cruiserweight, like a luchador. It's something that's very unique and different in this business. When you're trying to set yourself apart and find out who you are, um, Bring a Loco knows exactly who the fuck he is. Uh, some impressive moves of uh, the arm drag combos. Like this is Love again, it. old school wrestling at its finest, but they were throwing out unique ways to have combos, back flips into front flips, arm drags over arm drag over arm drag. Like when you see Brock Lesnar do the three time German suplex, they were hooking arm drags, but keeping the arm drag hooked to do another. Yeah. One. It was, that was very cool. And then, I mean, the Rado kid, what can you say? The moonsault, uh, picture perfect. Laredo kid, uh, can literally hit that moonsault 
probably one of the best moonsaults in the business. And if you don't know, go back and watch anything he's done in MLW or AAA. His moonsault is pitcher fucking perfect. Uh, He goes for a, a quick two. But it doesn't land, unfortunately. And then we get caught by Loco. A uh, Loco actually catches him when he goes for the second moonsault in a crucifix slam. And that was Crazy. impressive because that shows something that we haven't seen a lot from Gringo Loco, which is his power. We've seen his speed. We've seen his agility and his athleticism. But we've never, very rarely have we seen his power utilized fully. Like we've seen it here and there. But this was a moment where he just caught him and just nah. No, no, I'm not. I'm not putting up with this shit anymore. I'm gonna drop you on your fucking head. And yeah, I, I, I love like. <clears throat> excuse me. I'm I'm a lucha guy. I love a good lucha match. Um, so to watch these two guys go is fantastic. You can't help but love Gringo Loco, man. Like the dude, you look at him and like no disrespect to him or his physical appearance, but he doesn't. You'd look at him and think like, well, this guy's not gonna necessarily be doing the stuff he does. But he does, and he's got that, you know, he's based God. He's got that low center of gravity. He's got that base, and he uses his momentum. And it's he's so good at it. And like you mentioned with those arm drags, arm drags are a two-person move. It only looks good if both guys are doing it precisely on point and on, on, on the right timing. And you could see these two guys, the flow they had, the timing, everything was so crisp. It's two guys who, who are, are masters of their craft. It was a really enjoyable match to watch. Um, you know, if you take it for what it is, you, you can't get any better than that. No, you can't. And that belly to belly suplex from the top rope for the win. I was like from a the Spanish fly kind of belly to belly. Yeah, it, it had aspects of both, but I, I'm just going to call it a straight belly to belly. But from the top rope, it was crisp and it was poetry in motion. Uh, and uh, Laredo Kid gets the win. And you can't even be mad at that. The low spot for me was twice Loco seemed to be waiting on Kid to do the moves. There were two times where there was about a five, six second hold where I'm sitting there going like Loco's trying to balance on the ropes. Laredo kids trying to balance on the ropes and trying to maneuver over to get to Loco. So the low spot for me was that that took me out of the match. Cause I was waiting for the story to continue where they had already built up this great flow. And then as they were doing these higher spots in the match, uh, that took me out of it. And you, you know, the two parts that I'm talking about, right? Yeah. And I mean, <sighs> as good as these two guys are and they are good like to be able to pull off those crazy high rope walking and all that stuff with like absolute precision timing you've got to be like will osprey or something or like jushin liger you know what i mean like no disrespect to those guys they're amazing but yeah i get what you're saying there was a couple times where it's like those even just those two three seconds sometimes we're just like oh they're just kind of setting up their spot but it takes you out of the flow of the match you know what i mean so I, I absolutely get what you're saying. Um, and, you know, that's that's something that we, is pretty common in a lot of uh, spot-heavy matches. Right. Um, you can see, like, if, if we're looking at some, some other guys, like maybe some younger guys of the, of the buck variety, um, you'll see that kind of stuff happen, too. Um, so, you know, it's, it's not like other guys aren't, aren't doing the same thing. So that's what I mean when I say take it for what it is, is a lucha match and two guys putting on a great show. Um, I, I, can, I personally tend to look past those kind of things and I get, I absolutely get you takes you out of the match a little bit, but I, I guess my perspective is I'm just kind of like, yeah, I know a big spot's coming and they're just trying not to kill each other in the process. So I just kind of look past it, but I understand what you mean. Right. But that's what we do on the rewind here. We cut it straight. We cut it truthful. And I mean, when a moment like that pulls you away from what we like, when you've seen seven great minutes 
And then minute eight to nine has these two 10 second pauses or five second pauses. You're sitting there going, that's when you start checking your phone. That's when you start, okay, I'm going to go grab a glass of water. Cause this is going to take five seconds. I can run over the tap quickly, fill her up and then I'll be back and I'll still, they'll still be hanging on the ropes. So my only thing is, is when you have guys of the caliber of that, I would expect timing to be worked out a little bit more beforehand. And again, when you look at the timing of how great those arm drag combos were to, to have the timing like that picture perfect. Cause like you said, it's a two man move. So to have the timing of those arm drag combos, the creativity that they showed in the first two or three minutes of just doing those arm drag combos. And then you go to these spots where we're sitting there, you see local going like this and you see kid being like, okay, I'm supposed to be a little bit more over. Hold on a second. And he's walking the ropes. I'm sitting there going, Oh, I've already watched Joseph Gordon-Levitt walk a rope across two buildings. I don't need to watch you walk a rope across the Gringo Loco so you can hit a Hurricane Rana that I know you could have hit had you just maneuvered yourself two feet to the left. I mean, yeah, but w- would you rather, if it's, a, if it's a, a matter of them, like they're about to lose their balance and they got to take another second to steady themselves, would you rather them take that second to steady themselves or would you rather them possibly fall and, and really fuck up the flow of the match? Okay, you know what? Let's get into this for a second because, I mean, if we're going to talk about botches, Botcho Media catches stuff like that all the time. Botcho sure. YouTube was removed and then AEW. Yeah, no, no they're back. back now. Nobody's perfect. Nobody's it, perfect. It, right. But, we all make mistakes. Right, we do. But when it comes to a match like the speed that we were having and the caliber of match that we were having, those, for me, was something that took me out of it. So out of the great nine or ten minutes that we saw, there was two minutes where I was I was disappointed. I was like, this flow started off so sexy and I knew these guys were going to put on a barn burner. And when it's the season finale, this is the time where you go for broke because we're not going to see any MLW stuff for two months. July 10th. Right. July 10th. So two months, we're not going to see any MLW stuff. You want to leave the impression. So my impression and probably most of the people out there's impression is going to be, I like Gringo. I like Laredo. I just don't like them in the ring together. Eh, Fair enough. We can agree to disagree. Absolutely. And that's okay. Because I'm not always going to agree with you. No, we've been friends no. for a long time, but doesn't mean we have to like what each other says all the fucking time. No, of course not. And there's a lot of AEW marks that probably watch this show. So there's going to be a lot of comments of heat when you put uh, of the young buck persuasion. But hey, hey. I, I love the young bucks. I'm a young buck fan, but I'm also objective. Like sometimes their spots can be a little much and it, it fucks up the flow of the match. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nothing against young bucks. I love them, but it's just the reality. I am not and, a uh, Bucks fan. I, I appreciate yeah. their work ethic, but for me, when it comes to any tag team in AEW, you're you're I, probably an FTR guy. I've been an FTR guy when they were dash when they were uh, Dash yeah. and Dawson. I've yeah. I've went on wax. I actually did a whole episode in the early stages of Straight Talk saying FTR does don't fuck FTR. You fucking FTR. You guys fucking suck because you're not recognizing the skill. Because I like that old school ground and pound style. That's yeah, yeah, it's that old school tag team. Quick exactly. tags. Lots of double team moves. Uh, Lots of good cut the ring in half. All that. Tag team specialists. You know, it's, exactly. it's, it is. It's a very throwback 80s style. Everybody loves that. Who doesn't like a good good uh, throwback tag team style? I love it. And, you know, and, and it's not like they can't do other things. I've seen Dawson do a 450 springboard. Remember that? Right. Yep. Right. So it's like it's like they can. It's not like people think like, oh, you don't do these moves because you can't. No, a lot of guys can. That's just not their their style. They're, that's not how they want to express themselves in the ring, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So guys like Laredo Kid and 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 uh, Gringo Loco, they express themselves like mad. It's 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 art. It's poetry in motion. And uh, sometimes you make a spelling mistake. It happens. 
a hundred percent. I make spelling mistakes all the time. At the beginning of the episode, I'm sitting there going, what the fuck did I write there? <laughs> so we also, after this, daily. yeah, that's why spell check is there. After this match, we get a recap of uh, the missing Selena De La Renta trying to figure out what's happening. And we're going to get uh, a huge pop at the end of the show to kind of tie everything in together for there. But then we also get more highlights of Reed versus Rush one, exactly how the match went down and how the match played out. And again, another two minutes just building. And I love how Court Bauer will, it's, sometimes will just throw little sprinkles in there to remind you that, don't forget, at the end of the show, there's some big shit happening. And then we get a Hammerstone promo. Uh, he's unhappy. Okay, Rob, he is unhappy of the denial by Joseph. Boy, Sanders. Hammer is not pleased. No, uh, he's, he's mad, and he, but he's thinking straight. He said it, he's thinking straight. Why is Joseph protecting Fatu? You know why he's protecting him? Because he knows his reign of terror is close to an end. The yes. MLW championship will be Hammers. And then Contra hacks the promo as Hammers trying to say one more thing and everything goes blank. So we don't know what the last word was, but long story short, no matter what, deny him. Tell him it's not going to happen. Hammer is going to find a way to get that title shot. And Alicia comes up right after uh, the promo was locked out and saying that it, it is official. It is 100% truthful what Joseph Samael said the previous week. He is the literal gatekeeper. And the only way Hammer is going to get a shot is to win Battle Riot. If he does that, he gets a shot no matter what. Whoever wins Battle Riot gets a shot. And that's something that Joseph Samael cannot stop so spoiler alert i'm gonna go ahead and put my money on uh hammer for battle riot i'm just gonna go and throw that out there right now yeah um, i think it's pretty pretty given and also something pretty cool that i think we should probably come back maybe in a week or two or even next week uh the mlw open draft is coming and we're gonna get to see a chance where they're gonna draft some indie stars some current free agents maybe even have some more you know, forbidden door stuff without calling it the forbidden door because MLW has had working relationships. We've seen uh, Rocky Romero, uh, New Japan yeah. star in MLW. We've seen Brian Pillman multiple times since he's been signed to AEW in MLW because he's he's got MLW in his blood. That's who gave him his first one of his first big pushes. So um, we should discuss our fantasy open draft. And I, I wanted to lay the invitation out to you right now that if we want to get together next week or even the week after, and we discussed the open draft of the possibilities that we could see coming MLW. Let's do it. And and uh, if anyone from MLW is listening, I hope you are. Because I'm going to tell you right now, up here in Canada, we have some of the best unsigned talent that you were going to find. And no disrespect to any other country or any other talent. But we have got some amazing, amazing wrestlers up here. Um, so if you are looking for new talent, you might want to check us out because... Um, we've got some some wrestlers around the globe right now that are kind of uh, Canadian and kind of kicking ass. So, um, you know, head up north and, and see what we got to offer. The north, the north is uh, like MLW is the best kept best kept secret in pro wrestling. The north is the best kept secret in wrestling. Period. And I'll put that on wax. I'm not talking about the amazing tag team of Ethan Page and Josh Alexander, which are fantastic or were fantastic before uh, they split, but. The North, like Bob said, Uncle Bobby B said, there's talent here. There's a talent pool of untapped, unsigned amazingness. Um, and we're definitely going to throw some of those names out. So oh, yeah. if you're enjoying this one so far, like and subscribe to the Straight Talk page because next week we're going to drop our open draft ideas and opinions. And we should just do our own draft. We should, if okay. we were Court Bauer, who would we draft to MLW? Done. Court Bauer, we're not as mad genius as you. 
You and I both have a similar hairline, so I can get away with that. But um, yeah, we're going to do it. Next week, the MLW Rewind, open draft. If we were Corbauer, what will we do? First thing I would do is just sit in my office and have a big-ass fucking stogie and a bottle of gin and look out of my window and be like, Gin? I'm amazed. I'm amazed. gin? Fuck you. I love gin. What are you this is like 1800s in like England. Who's drinking gin? I'm also I'm half Scottish, eh? so UK blood runs through me. So I appreciate gin. <laughs> Lot, your Scottish ancestry would be appalled. I I listen. I like my scotch. I like my whiskeys. I like everything. But my go-to on a hot summer day, I'm classic, buddy. Old school gin and tonic, a little bit of lime. I'm old. You know why gin and tonic was invented? If you because say panty dropper, I'm gonna I'm gonna drive no, to your house. No, 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 no. You know how India was colonized by the United Kingdom or Great Britain, as however you want to call it. Yes. Um, I forget that. I believe it was might have been like malaria or something. Or there was some sort of virus that uh, tonic water has quinine in it, more so than it it used to. It it has less now, but the quinine was effective at uh, fighting the virus. So the way to make that tonic water palatable was to mix it with gin. So gin and tonic was actually created as a medicinal drink. Well, then I've been medicinaling it up for years, okay? <laughs> oh, I, I'm, I'm medicinal every day. There you go. So now we get a Von Eric promo. Uh, Marshall and Ross. Marshall is congratulating Ross on the win, saying he really stepped up his game. Going to Japan was one of the best things that ever happened to him. Ross agreed it was the best thing that happened to his career. And Marshall didn't hold, uh, didn't hold his weight. Uh, no excuses. But he's making a promise. Looks right at the camera. Gets real intense, like the Von Erics do. And he says, Lawler, July 10th, I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you. And I can't, can't wait. wait. I can't, can't wait. wait. Two guys that can go, man. Yeah, and the feud, the feud has been great. And the feud has been great much to the credit of, say what you want to say, but the feud has been great much to the credit of the heel that is filthy Tom Lawler. He oh, is. Dude, Tom Lawler is a, is a gem, let me tell you. <laughs> a guy like that who can come from outside of pro wrestling, but he gets pro wrestling. He gets the theatrics of it. He gets the pageantry and performance aspect of it. Mm-hmm. You can see he's got personality, right? Some, some guys can fight, but they don't have personality. Tom Lawler, he's got it. Uh, that dude, is MLW really got themselves a gem with Tom Lawler, and they should do everything they can to hang on to him because that dude uh, does wrestles differently. He's convincing. He's got personality. He gets it. Uh, and I always enjoy watching him. He's fucking hilarious, too. So yeah, can't go wrong with Filthy Tom. No, you can't. I, I was, I loved everything that was the beautiful z- disaster that was Filthy Island. And I'm hoping in the next season, we go back to the island that is filthy because all I could say is handing Garini lube and saying, you may want this for the spam. Uh, that's just, that's a moment in time that I'll remember for the rest of my life. You don't forget I, those. No, you cannot. You cannot. Garini's face at the end. Huh? So uh-huh. match number two, we get the Caribbean champion. Richard Holiday, and he's going at Ariel Dominguez. And Ariel yeah. Dominguez is a, is a guy that we've seen a few times before, kind of like a Bud Heavy. He's in MLW, but he's definitely used to help put guys over or build guys. And yeah. Holiday has been hot lately, especially since, uh, well, Hammer Dick promo was gold, but also since really beating Gino. Uh, that was uh, kind of where Holiday has kind of stepped up his game and has looked yeah, really Gino. Gino, yeah. I Spoiler alert. I see that segue, Rob. That's what I do, baby. That's what I do. Um, so he slaps Ariel, uh, quite a few times in the early stages of this match, uh, from the top to the floor, uh, he hits the 208 and he wins in 96 seconds. 
There yeah, was, was no low match. spots. There was only high spots. Uh, and the high spots were, Ariel, I'm going to smack you in the face twice. I'm going to hit the 2008, and I'm going to win in literally 96 seconds. It's not like low-key when he knocked out Bud Heavy in eight seconds, but still, 96-second uh, win with really no offense from Dominguez at all that I could really remember or even wanted to throw out there. Uh, Holiday is Holiday, and he is the most marketable. He does it with style. He does it with panache. He's he is the most marketable. Uh, you could tell he was just trying to get out of the ring so he could go back and, and have another coffee. Uh, he just made short work of, of Ariel. Uh, and Ariel was, you know, a, a pretty, uh, from what I understand, exceptional amateur wrestler. Uh, but Richard Holiday just literally manhandled him. Uh, like you said, no offense, just a squash. Richard Holiday being Richard Holiday. And that's that. That is, but at, right after that, we get Alicia waiting at the top of the uh, top of the uh, runway there, the yeah. end right? And she's got a smile on her face. And usually she doesn't smile when she sees Richard, nor does he smile when he sees her. But I tell you, Hammer pointed this out a few weeks ago when he asked him if he had a crush on Alicia. He, he said point blank in the bathroom promo that they cut when Alicia walked in the men's bathroom and said, stop. And she's like, oh, I don't know. There is definitely a lot of tension there uh, of the persuasion. And I think Holiday's a little bit sweet on Alicia, but he won't admit it. But, I mean, why wouldn't you be sweet on Alicia? She's easy on the eyes. She's a sweetheart. She's a sweetheart. She is. She's Canada's interview queen. And um, so as they're talking, Gino interrupts. uh, He gets told by Holiday flat out, you know, just go to the back. I'm doing an interview right now. I don't have time to go to the back. Yeah, my time. Reclaiming my time. So Gino walks away and then comes right out and beats Holiday down grabs him, sets him up for the DDD, then looks at Alicia point blank and says, you didn't fire me. I quit, bitch. And he bitch. dropped Holiday on the floor. And the reason why he said that is because you couldn't hear it because the audio was so muffled because the three of them were going at the same time. But Alicia said to him, didn't you get fired? Like, why are you out here? And that's when he came back and shot out the... Um, uh, just, a, just a cowardly sneak attack. Poor Richard Holiday, just trying to conduct his interview with Alicia. And he's, you know, attacked from behind, just, just now, despicable hold on. behavior. Wait a minute, wait a minute, time out. Listen, I respect Holiday as much as you do, but turnabout is fair play. Holiday has done this multiple times to other wrestlers in the MLW roster. He's done this to Gino a few times in a very similar fashion. So I think turnabout is fair play. And when the time comes and they actually have a rematch because they most likely will because holiday will have a grudge to settle. And the only way Gino is going to agree to step in the ring is if the Caribbean strap is on the line. So when this does happen in the new season, uh, I'm going to say that Gino is going to win. He's going to win the Caribbean championship because now he's in holiday's head. He's renting space. And you know, as well as I do, Rob, when somebody's renting space in your head, rent free, mind you, you are not going to be focused. And especially after the next thing I'm going to say was where we get an update, literally a few minutes later, a holiday is on his way to the hospital, a uh, possible skull fracture because yeah. he's taking that DDT on that hardwood floor in the entranceway and he's on just his way a, to the hospital. Just a dastardly unprovoked attack. Just terrible. I don't know how you can do that to, to most marketable. And, and you know what? He might, he, he might lose the strap. He might lose the Caribbean strap probably due to some outside interference or some cheating by, uh, by Gino, but uh, you know, if that happens, that's fine because he's still the most marketable and he can just move on to bigger and better titles um, that he can easily win. So, you know, it's a win-win for Richard Holiday. I could not agree more, but I'm still going to put, I lo- listen, I love Richard Holiday. I am a consumer Nino. 
Okay. I have stated that on wax. I am a coffee drinker. I'm not an NCD. I'm not a special person like that. I didn't ride this short bus to school. Okay. I drink coffee proudly, but at the end of the day, I think Gino's due to wear some gold. And I think Gino uh, is due to elevate a championship, much like holiday has elevated this championship beyond where it was before. Cause it was a kept secret. Savio Vegas promotion. At the end of the day, I think Gino's going to win it. I do. Holiday will probably uh, put up a, a good fight, but let Gino win just so he can go after, you know, uh, something else. That, that's probably the only way Gino's going to get the win. Holiday doesn't let anybody win. It's all part of a plan. Oh, okay. For a new coffee mug? Is that the plan? Really? I, For I a new coffee to, mug? Well, the dynastic coffee mug is fantastic. I mean, it's, it's really unbreakable. But Yeah. I mean... I'm just saying. Don't, don't, don't worry about don't worry about Richard. Okay, he's right. got this. He's right. got this. Doesn't matter if it's Caribbean title, could be the could be the world title. Okay? Oh. Can, oh, put put Richard Holiday in against Jacob Fatu. He'll he'll show him a thing or two. Listen, I I appreciate everything you're saying, and I we've had Richard on the show twice, and I hope he comes back a third time because if he does, he'll be taking shots at me, and I'll be okay with that. But at the end of the day, there's no way. That after this two-year freaking slow build, and now we know that there's a, a way for Hammer to get that match for us to get that match. Oh, that's are they happening. Sidestep him for Holiday right now. No, not no, no. I'm not saying they're going to do that. Okay, but if they did, Holiday would easily win. Is all I'm saying. Let me take a sip of coffee and figure it out. Hold on a second. Okay. It's possible. Let's move on. Right. <laughs> all right. Now I'm going to do my up. best. I'm going to do my best. Bruce Buffer, Michael Buffer. Here we go. <clears throat> well, I can. Let, let me try. Go, go. Let me try. Ladies and gentlemen, it's now time for the main event of the evening. The reigning, defending, middleweight champion. The man of the hour, Leo Rush versus the young goat, Myron Reed. For the thousands watching around the world and the millions that are also watching around the world because it's a pandemic. Let's get ready to rumble. Reed versus Rush 2. Happening. Yep, sure is. And the, the high spots in the early stages of this match was amazing. I especially love the mirror image both were doing. Leo moved left. Myron moved left. Leo moved right. Myron moved right. Leo went it's for like, a whatever line, you're doing, I'm left. on you. Exactly. And that showed right away that Myron was focused and he was in Leo's head early. Don't get me wrong. There was no one that was really getting a clear advantage. But again, Myron was rent-free in Leo's head. There's a lot of back and forth. A lot but of back and they, forth. And, and again, the mirror imaging was showed how well these two know each other and how much Myron really studied exactly yes. who the fuck Leo Rush is. took the words out of my mouth. And that's, again, that's good storytelling that's i don't need to tell you that i've studied your every move and i know everything you're going to do because when we got in the ring you could see from the way we were wrestling that i studied and i know and how well we know each other and by the way the match was flowing in the back and forth that's in-ring storytelling you don't need to cut a promo to tell that kind of story you just tell it as you're wrestling and that's something these two guys just excel at myron reed um I, i'll put myron reed over all day because there's certain wrestlers that you can just look at them you go they they get it like they they're it they got it 
they get it and they got it. And Myron Reed is one of those cats. Uh, that dude just sky's the limit for him, man. Absolutely. And um, a couple high spots for me was a sweet drop kick by Myron very early on. The speed was insane and Reed countered everything that Rush was throwing out very early on. But that double guillotine leg drop from Reed, that's when the match turned and Reed started to gain a little bit of control. But the best was when uh, Rush went from the for the moonsault off the apron. Reed ducked underneath, slides for the crossbody to the outside. That was insane. The Ridiculous. And the speed and the timing that it took to do that. And counter after counter, back and forth. Uh, sweet double knees from Reed over the top on Rush. Like, how do you the, go over the top and land on your knees? Like, your money makers. And that like, crit- it was that when he did like, it was like a, he did like a diving crossbody. But then like when he, when he hit the crossbody, he like turned and ended up like rolling out of it. And I, I was saying, well, what the fuck? I've never seen anyone <laughs> do that. Cause I thought I, I saw him do the crossbody. Right, but then as he was coming down, I'm like, oh shit, he's gonna land badly. But he just rolled out of it. And I was like, fuck, that awareness is insane, dude. Oh, the ring IQ was definitely huge. All the training that he was doing with Calvin Tankman. So good. It really did. Uh, That reverse Hurricane Rana into the Spanish fly was awesome. But Reed kicked out. And when Reed kicked out, stars in his eyes. Like, he looked like he got his bell rung a little bit on that one. And Leo couldn't fucking believe it. No, Leo couldn't believe it. But then uh, Reed hits the cutter into the power slam on rush and then rush kicks out and i dropped i literally dropped my fucking beer on the floor because i i lost all consciousness at that point i was so black into the match it was i had insane. my phone mounted on the wall and i was watching it in the shower this morning because i wanted to make sure i had it fresh before before we started and i was like i like had to stop and like dry my hands off so i could go rewind it to watch that part again because i was just like holy shit like it's insane, man. I hope I don't creep any of these wrestlers out. I know I'm watching them while I'm like in the shower, but uh, it like, oh man, this I'm telling you right now, this match, okay, any promotion in the world puts this match on a pay per view, and I buy that pay per view, I got my money's worth from that match alone. Mm-hmm. Period. Mm-hmm. Well, what about the fact that multiple times Reed ducked Rush's clotheslines? But the second time later on that match, he hit that sweet Insiguri. And then he actually tried to go for the cutter, but Rush caught him. And yeah. it, like literally throw him, threw him into the ring post. That was impressive. Uh, then Rush hit the final hour. And when Rush hits the final hour, usually it's game over. But right? he kicked out. And when he did, Rush's face was just, I, I can't. And then Rush was stupid. I will call this out. Leo Rush, if you ever watch this, you were stupid. You gave Myron way too much recovery time. At this point, you're trying to figure out what to do, and you gave him way too much recovery time. You you went for another dump, another back dump, that you just dropped the guy on his head from the back. He countered into uh, the backdrop, and then he hits five-cap splash, and it was over. It was That was it, after the five-cap splash. He hit the cap splash, which is a signature. He went into the five-cap splash, and it was done. It was over. Uh, Tankman and Oliver come running out to congratulate Reed. He is now your new two-time, the only... Two-time MLW champion in history. That's on any strap. He's the only one to win it twice. And um, it was amazing. What I love the the best about it, though, is when they came out to congratulate Tankman and Oliver talking shit to Rush the whole way as he's what Reed's not saying anything. Reed's just there holding the strap up. I'm not going to say fuck all. I just, I had a 16-minute war with you, and I got this back. Reed said nothing. Reed's business. Yeah, Rush, or sorry, uh, Oliver and Tankman were all over Rush, especially Tankman. 
Tegman was high. Tegman was a little salty, a little salty, but yeah. I appreciated it. But, but I like it. And like that fits Jordan Oliver's character too. Oh, 100%. Like, and um, you know what? we watched it. The mini host was watching. Uh, Mrs. Host was watching. We were all watching that match. And when Myron run, when, when that was raised and he was leaning over the ropes and he had that, that look of like, yeah, I knew it. I was so proud of someone who I'm honored to call my friend honored to call someone who is a colleague in his business with me that I've had the pleasure of having both on the mini host show and here on rewind. And I always said, I, in the first match, I wanted rush to win. And here's the reason why, because if rush won, I got this, I got yeah. versus rush two, of course, which the sequel never outdoes the original, but in this particular case, the man of the hour was done. Rush hour was up and over. It was clear traffic moving across all major highways. And Myron Reed, the young goat, proved exactly why he is the young goat. And again, the age that he's at right now, he hasn't even reached his peak. There's no ceiling. And he he's got maybe so two or three more years. And he's just gonna start calling himself, he's gonna start calling himself the goat. Like and we can't you're not gonna be that it. young anymore. You're just gonna be the goat. But we can't disprove it at this point. When no, that dude that is. Point, I, I'm all about that. That cat man. He is. Uh, he is mad talented, and uh, we're definitely going to be. I'm. I'm going to be talking to like every promoter I know up here. Once we start running shows again, uh, you got to get. You got to get Myron Reed up here. There's so many uh, re- local wrestlers I'd love to see Myron work with. We, we were discussing it before Aiden Prince, like Myron and Aiden. I love to see Myron work like even Josh Alexander. Like there's so many great wrestlers Myron could work with, and uh, yeah. We, we got to get along with the whole MLW roster. We got to get all y'all up here. Absolutely. And uh, you know what? There's, there's really only one promotion that could probably pull that stuff together. And it's three syllables. Destiny. Destiny. That's all I'm going to say. If you don't know what I'm talking about, Google it. Destiny. Yeah. George, get, get, uh, get us, get us some, some read happening in here. But I also want to mention, this was a great, um, I'm, I'm not one to worry too much about who's who's got titles. Like to me, titles are what we use to set up stories and create rivalries. And this was a great example of using a title to supplement a rivalry and not make it all about the title. Like it wasn't just about the title. Reed wanted his revenge on Rush, title or not. He wanted that title so back. About revenge. I find it as vindication. The vindication. first time I, the better, first time I went in, I wasn't ready. And Myron has stated that in many promos. I wasn't ready. I wasn't focused. I was actually in awe of who I was in the ring with. It's almost like that storyline that the UFC used many, many years ago with GSP when he was in the mat. Was he when he was in the match with uh, what's his name, Matt? Uh, oh, it's gonna bother me now. Sarah, I wasn't no Matt. Sarah beat GSP, but then GSP beat him back. Not Matt. Sarah, the other guy before that. Uh, you know who I'm talking about? The guy that GSP took the title from. Oh man, uh, that's a while ago, man. I know. That's when I watched. That's the only time I watched UFC. Though I, watched I don't UFC. really remember what I what I. Well, ate long for story short, GSP was a, was a, was in awe of who he was in the ring with, and I can't remember. And I know we're gonna get comments on it. Whatever you want to comment. Listen, it's Saturday morning. We don't remember. It was literally almost a decade ago. I wasn't even married to my wife at that point. We've been married for twelve years, so it was a while ago. But the fact is, is that GSP's excuse was that he was such a fan of who he was standing in front of the ring with. He was not focused, even though he had prepared and he had trained. Once you step in the ring and you're staring down your opponent, training goes out the window and you forget for a second, you're a fan first. And Myron admitted, I was a fan that night. I'm in the ring with somebody who I admire. 
and right. he, he cleaned my clock. But now I, the admiration is over. The time for being a fangirl is over. I'm in the, I'm in working every day. I'm training every day. I'm getting ready for a chance for vindication. And that's exactly right. what we got. And this and match was, in my opinion, Reed versus Rush one was a match of the year candidate. We're only in fucking May. And fuck that. Reed versus one is an honorable mention. Reed versus Rush two is a match of the year candidate across anything. And like, and like anything. how long was the match? It was like 15, 20 minutes? It was 16 minutes and 42 seconds to be exact. 16, 42, guys. They told the whole fucking story and had a barn burner of a match in 16 minutes and 42 seconds. You don't need 25 minutes, 30 minutes, 45 minutes to have a great match. Okay? You can get your shit in and still have a great match in that period of time. And this is like, this was a story that wasn't just about the title. It had multiple layers and it gave the story depth. And that made me more invested in it. Because it wasn't like title, title matches are every, every title match and titles on the line. But this had layers. It had Myron Reed getting his vindication. It had Leo Rush trying to prove that he's, you know, I'm on top of the world. Nobody can touch me. Uh, I beat you because I'm better, not because you weren't ready. And Myron Reed proved him wrong and proved himself right and got that vindication. So this was uh, top to bottom, the setup, the match, the story, just 10 out of 10 in my opinion. Uh, I'll do you one better, a uh, hundred out of 10. Uh, there you I go. I can go all day with this match and the way the build was, and I loved everything about it. And again, credit to the MLW team, uh, to Corp Bauer, the mad genius, because he pulled it off. And again, season finales are supposed to do exactly what this show did. Tie up all your loose ends and build for the following. And boy, did they, they tied up the hammer and fat two angle. They tied up Reed versus rush. And now we get the final tie up. So, after we see Reed gloating and, and, and just holding that championship like it's a newborn baby, uh, we get a little bit of a fade out and dissolve, a nice, very sweet cut to an office. And there's Selena being put in a chair with that bag or sack. It looked more like a paper bag, but let's say sack for argument's sake, that, that you know potato sack over her head and that masked man that put her in the car last week. And we see a man in a dimly lit office Office looks very familiar, by the way. Like I yeah, or something so so familiar. And he turns around in a red chair that I've seen so many times before. And wouldn't you know? I called it. I was wrong about who, but the connection I had made was right. So Rob, hear me out. Give me two minutes. No interruptions. Let me let me spill this Go. out for you here. Let me let me teach the people a little something. A while back, when Azteca Underground bought Promotios Dorado. And I started seeing the logo and I knew what was happening. It looked very reminiscent of a great promotion that I loved for a very long time. Made me fall in love with people like Thunder Rosa. Made me get a respect for Eddie Guerrero's daughter. Made me get a respect for Chavo Guerrero because it showed that he could still go. And made me appreciate Vampiro on commentary. And that promotion was Lucha Underground. And I stated from time that there was a connection to Lucha Underground. Now, I connected the dots wrong, but I was still kind of right in the connection basis. I assumed it was Vampiro because Vampiro was behind the scenes exec, but he wasn't the on-screen exec. He wasn't the face, the owner of Lucha Underground. It was one man. El Jefe is none other than the former on-camera owner of Lucha Underground, Dario Kuto. And you know what is great about all this is that he turned around in that similar red chair, in that similar office that we've seen so many times before. And he says to Selena, you failed. 
not only him, you failed not only El Jefe, but you failed his believers. But he's building a new temple. And she will be sacrificed. Then the phone rings. That similar red phone that we've seen so many times before. We don't know who he's talking to on the other end. But he does his little, you know, Dario Kuto laugh. And he says to the other person, don't worry. I'll see you in Philly, Gillette Town. And that's it. The show ends. So now, we, again, we've tied up another storyline. We now know who El Jefe is, and he's building a new temple. And this is the only way I see this going, Rob. So give me 60 seconds on the clock right now. Time me, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach the people everything they need to know in exactly a minute. I'm doing this on my phone. I don't have a clock. Hey, just, just fucking... Sure, I'll time you. Go. Okay. All right. Thank you. I'm going to time myself, you jerk. Here we go. 60 seconds on the clock. He's building a new temple. This now means that there's going to be an evasion angle of some kind between Lucha Underground and MLW. That's the way I picture it in my head. So we're going to see a lot of those young, up-and-coming, fantastic talents that were in Lucha Underground that have kind of disappeared. They're on the indie scene. They're doing stuff, but they're not getting main play camera time. One in particular, Saul Guerrero. Other than GSW, we have seen her nowhere. And she retired from wrestling for a little bit. Now she's back. And the stuff she's done in GSW thus far has been phenomenal. So we're going to definitely see Saul Guerrero in MLW. What her role will be, I don't know. But I'm going to say she's going to be the one to sacrifice a certain Miss De La Renta. That's how I'm going to lay that one down. But the fact is, is that El Jefe, Dario Kuto, I connected the dots. I didn't connect them fully. I thought it was Vampiro. I played it wrong. I apologize, but I'm still fucking right. And at the end of the day, what happens in Philly is going to be nothing short of a barn burner. And Court Bauer, if you were standing in front of me right now, I'd bow down on my fucking knees and I'd start fucking doing this. Because you are the motherfucking mad genius, genius and everything that you've done so far in this season has been picture perfect. Don't get me wrong. There were some valleys in July or January and February, but ever since March to where we are now, you've got me all in again. So MLW, I appreciate you and I love you. And this is why the rewind will keep going because you keep doing storylines like this. You, you are, there's a reason why you're no longer the best kept secret because of stuff like this production value, storylines, tying up loose ends. You've done it. And what Vice TV is going to do for you, make you bigger than the masses, life is good. Whew, I still got 15 seconds to stare. Uh, yeah, this was, uh, this was a real cool segment. Derek Luthor is a great actor. He, he's believable. Like, I was like, and, and like you said, loose ends are all tied up. And now the, the stage is set for the next season. So it's like, we don't know exactly what's going to happen, but we have a pretty good idea. And that pretty good idea is making us really want to watch come July 10th. Um, so I, I agree with everything you said. Uh, I don't know if I'd, I'd like do, do the, the we're not worthy thing, but I definitely shake his hand and tell him he's fucking killing it. Uh, Court Bauer. So uh, or I great, apologize to my new co-host. He's still learning. Yeah, no, I, I'm not. A, I'm not. A, I'm not a, a bow down guy. I am. Like, because when you do something the way he's done it. And again, a lot of times I didn't understand where the storylines were going necessarily all the time. And I've been a fan of this business for a long time. So you could kind of see the moves playing ahead. But these storylines, even though there's similar storylines, they've been, they, again, like you said, there's only so many storylines you can tell. They were cut fresh. They were cut different. They breathed new life. And there's a reason why this is an MLW-focused podcast because nobody else is doing this. Yes, MLW Radio has stuff. They talk about stuff. But we are the only podcast that literally tells it, good or bad, exactly what we think about MLW. And that's why it's called The Rewind because we rewind back to what happened. We give you our thoughts and our opinions. And then we let you decide. But at the end of the day, good or bad, still love and appreciate MLW for everything that it's done. And we are 100%. not fucking worthy. And one day, Corp Bauer will be on the show and I will tell him that, dude, you're a mad motherfucking genius. And I appreciate you. 
I, I mean, I think we're worthy of this this enjoyable wrestling that we're getting. 100%. But I'm worthy. To be in the presence of the mad genius. I would be a little, I would be like Myron Reed when he, when he stared across the ring at Leo Rush for a little bit. I'd probably, uh, I'd probably like do my Michael Buffer and announce court, like entering a room and, call, and just like call him, you know, the greatest mastermind in professional wrestling or mad something genius. like that. That's the nickname mad I've given motherfucker, the mad genius. Uh, but you know what? MLW definitely made a fan out of me. Uh, definitely now it's, it's scheduled viewing for me and I'm, I'm telling other people to watch it too, because uh, I know a lot of wrestling fans as you do, and, and we're always looking for something different. And MLW is different, and I like that. They're not doing things exactly like everybody else. Um, and a lot of promotions are do things differently, but I think MLW's got enough idiosyncrasies to really set it apart from everybody else, and, and that's a good thing, and that's going to draw more views, and that's why I concur. Core Bauer is a bit of a mad genius. 150%. So uh, on the show, we always give a grade. What's your grade for this week's show there, Rob? Oh man, I uh, I probably give it like a nine out of ten. It, it it was pretty solid all around, aside from a couple of minor low spots. I really had no complaints. It was a fantastic wrestling, fantastic promo, set the stage, great season finale. Definitely something I'd I'd recommend to people. One hundred fifty percent. I will give it a ten out of ten. And even though the Gringo Loco and Laredo Kid spots kind of did take me out of that first match. I was intrigued for the whole hour and that's, what's great about it. It's one hour, 60 minutes and they pack so much in. They really, really do. They pack so much in. Sometimes the episodes are not so much heavy wrestling as they are heavy promo, but this, these that's last okay. couple of weeks, these last couple of weeks have been a steady mismatch of both. We've gotten a lot of promo and a lot of, uh, a lot of wrestling and a lot of fantastic. And, and one hour is nice, man. Like one hour, I, we got three matches, like some promos, some, some uh, playbacks from the previous stuff. And I got, I was entertained for an hour and I didn't feel like, you know, sometimes the other shows that might be two or even three hours, you kind of, by the last hour, it's really starting to drag and you're like, man, I've already watched an hour of commercials. And like, I just, I'm not really feeling now. Now it's like, I'm getting to the main event, but I'm not even into it because I'm, you know, it's been three hours. Whereas MLW, by the time the main event rolled around, I was like, fucking A, let's do this. I'm ready for this. So yeah, it's, it's a great format. I really like what they're doing at MLW. And I, I, I can't wait for the next season. And I hope they just uh, keep growing off these, uh, keep growing by leaps and bounds as they're doing. Absolutely. And we're going to try to bring you as much rewind as we can from now until July 10th. Like I said, we are going to come back next week. So we will be back. The rewind will be back. We're going to discuss the open draft. And um, you know what? Who knows? Maybe after that, we can get some stars back. We've had Gringo Loco on the show. We'd love to get him back again and pick his brain on what he sees in July. Maybe reach out to Alicia. Maybe reach out to Richard. Who knows? Maybe even reach out to Myron. And say what's what. But I know there's, since they have this free time now, I know the States is opening up. They have indie shows almost every weekend. So it's good. Yes, they are running down there. Some of these individuals. But uh, you know what? We're going to try. We're going to do our best. And when we come back in July, Rewind will be revamped, reintroduced, and looking sexy. And there's only one person I could say to go on this journey with. And that's my new boy, my new podcast life partner, Uncle Bobby B. Thank you so much, dude, for accepting the invitation to come on and be the co-host on Rewind. Thank you for having me. Hey, I appreciate you. I pre- And again, like we already can see that we're not always going to agree, but that's okay. That's good. At the end of the day, we're both in the same age group. We're not a difference of 30 to 160 years apart. So life is good. Life is good. And I drink right coffee. Well, well, at least no we disrespect know that to one Lewis, of us, but well, I drink know coffee. one of us won't kick the bucket before the show fucking the other one does. You know what I mean? At least we'll, we're going to die in around the same time. So, uh, hey, again, from the start, 
to where we started to my former podcast life partner, Lewis Carlin. Thank you so much for your uh, contribution to the show, but we're flying under a new banner and a new style and a new look and attitude for this. So as always, I am your host, your boy, George McKay. You can catch us on Rewind every week from July, but don't you worry. Rewind's going to sprinkle a little love here and there from now to July, 100%. And uh, Rob, before you go, shout out your socials for the people. Let them know where they can find you and hook up with you to discuss all things MLW or other shit, whatever they want. Oh, that's easy peasy. You can catch me uh, on Instagram at the real Uncle Bobby B because there's a lot of fake ones out there and I had to, I had to claim that, you know, the real uh, moniker. So yeah, hit me up. You ever want to chat MLW? I'm your guy. George is your guy. We'll be back. Uh, next week with the draft and then uh, we'll continue kicking ass 150% you guys all know my socials but because I just love the sound of my own voice and the way it rolls off my tongue at straight talk wrestling on Instagram and Facebook at underscore straight talk on Twitter and um, you know uh, straight talk wrestling YouTube is where you're going to find the MLW rewind that's the exclusive place for it and episodes will drop every Sunday at uh, 10 11 something around time basically when I get my ass out of bed and I upload sometimes Sundays I like to sleep in this is the only but, thing that gets my ass out of bed there you go. And he even took a shower for me today, guys. You heard it. Yeah. He watched men roll around during lockdown. Man no judgment. I've just been like not even bathing. Like, I don't have to see anybody. <laughs> I'm going to waste the water. That's it. Got to conserve the water. Got to conserve it. 150%. No, I'm, I'm kidding. I, I bathe. I, all right. We get it. All right. We don't want to discuss your hygiene. Well, all right, guys. All right, guys. That's it for this one. Uh, don't forget to tune in next week for the draft. As always, I am your host, your boy, George McKay, and my new co-host officially announced in the can, Uncle Bobby B. We'll see you guys next time. Peace. Take it easy.